In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that will draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short sleeve moisture wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And don't go gently, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at huntworthgear.com. And Huntworth right now has a preseason sale going on. Uh, you can save 30% off with promo code PRE30, P-R-E-30. And if I was going to recommend something, I would tell you um, this would be an excellent time to pick up their Shelton hoodie. Um, it's a mid-weight grid fleece hunting hoodie. Um, comes in disruption and the tarnin pattern that I like so much. And um, grid fleece, half zip. Um, it's got uh, you know the kangaroo pocket, and then it's got an additional additional zippered pocket um it's got the built-in face mask um really great piece of gear and an excellent time to pick it up for 30 percent off um definitely uh recommend that along with um their the holton the holton uh setup that they're giving away uh for our patreon giveaway um that's also a great set that's more of a, a a later season um, it's not their warmest, uh, but it's right, right up there, sharp aligned. Um, that's some great stuff too. Um, super happy that they're giving that away for the Patreon giveaway. And we do quarterly giveaways, uh, from our sponsors. Um, we don't, uh, work with anybody that won't, you know, kick in and, and give back, uh, to everybody that supports the show. And, uh, so that's what Huntworth is giving away. Um, this podcast was sat down with um, Johnny Stewart and Lane Hausner. So Johnny, you know, I've heard nothing but great things uh, about Johnny. And, uh, you know, from Bill from Spartan Forge, they were down there with Spartan Forge. Uh, Greg Litzinger hunts with Johnny. Um, you know, just heard all this great stuff about how he helps the guys out. You know about how much he, how much time he spends in the woods. I've listened to some podcasts with him. Um, got to meet him down at the Mobile Hunting Expo, and then 
you know, sat down and did a podcast and um, just just a great stand up guy. You know, you hear stuff about guys, um, you know, being good, good dudes and and whatnot. And this is a great one. So uh, big shout out to, to Johnny Stewart and thanks for sitting down with us. Uh, but, you know, Spartan Forge, Spartan Forge is, you know, this predictive deer movement uh, app. Um, but I, I feel like I do it a disservice because I'm just blown away by the mapping. Um, and, uh, there's a lot of great things coming out. I got to get Bill on the podcast here. Uh, I had him scheduled and just didn't work out, but, um, there's, uh, some great things. I won't do it justice. Um, but for landowners, for getting, uh, permission on properties, uh, for hunting in groups, um, lots of different things that are coming, but, um, you know, as we get into the season, you know, finding out where these deer, um, should be, whether they're in their core area, where, where, where they're going to be, if they're in their full range, where, you know, they're, they're moving uh, across the countryside, um, kind of where you can start to, to target them. Um, great stuff. And, and Bill says it doesn't tell you what stand to hunt at it doesn't tell you where the deer is going to be it just gives you a better idea of where you can look it doesn't replace uh boots on the ground scouting and, and johnny talks a lot about um you know knowing your, your areas and knowing the the deer and then using spartan forge to supplement that but the mapping and the leaf off um i mean you can get a lot of information and the great um the imagery that that comes along with the spartan forge is just incredible uh so check that out at spartanforge.ai and uh, you can use code bowhunter to save 25 percent. but they uh give away a one-year membership uh to our patreons um as well as lucky buck so um my buddy from missouri is sending me pictures of these just massive deer hitting the lucky buck down there in missouri uh the stuff that frank's got down in ohio uh getting some big buck pictures down there too um great stuff lucky buck uh they gave us some of this stuff and that's that's how we're getting those pictures but they give away um you know one of their uh, either a tub of their lucky buck or uh some of their clover uh seed um for the that patreon giveaway zinger that so the guys from zinger fletchings they're going to be at uh austin's uh saddle tune-up event uh this weekend the 20th so uh check them out and they'll have the the zingers there their compression fit fletchings and uh, i've been shooting them for the last two years uh working great for me great guys i can't say that enough just just some great dudes um and they give away that uh to for patreon as well so um any of you guys who are, are interested in getting involved in that or supporting the show in any way you know it's like 17 cents a day to help us out and uh, really do appreciate it uh the vitals live we got a vitals live coming up um beginning of next week with joe miles uh, to talk about some early season some of the gear testing that he's been doing um he just put down a crazy uh big six point buck um and you think Oh yeah, six point buck. But this, you, know, you go to his Instagram and uh, and check it out. Uh, really great buck. But uh, you know, all of our patrons get access to the vitals live as well and um, ad free. Uh, there's an ad free feed. So if you're if you're not liking the ads that are coming up, um, you know, all of our patrons get the option to 
uh, they get a different feed. They just subscribe to that, and it comes through without any ads, without any of the stoppages as you go through the the podcast. So uh, something to check out. You can check that out at patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. But this podcast is one we did down there at the Mobile Hunters Expo uh, live. You know, there's a little bit of uh, background noise, did everything I could to get rid of it. Uh, But I don't think it takes away from the conversation. Great dude. And, uh, you know, we appreciate all the support, but the best thing you can do for us is uh, tell us how we can get better, reach out to us, let us know what we can do better. Along with that, tell somebody else about the show. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast. Sit down here in a pretty nice area in Ohio, I think. Oh, yeah. Mobile Hunters Expo with uh, the Johnny Stewart and Lane Hausner. Going to do a little podcast in here. So, like, what are you guys doing down here, like, for the the Mobile Hunters Expo? Do you guys come down here to check it out or you're here supporting somebody? Yeah, Bill uh, with Spartan Forge. Asked us, or you know, if we wanted to come down, we said, hell yeah. So, um, we're down here with Spartan Forge trying to get his name out. And I'm sure as everybody knows, um, because you've had Bill on in a podcast, but uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, the mobile, I mean, the mapping and predictions and stuff like that, veteran owned business. And, um, you know, Bill puts all his money back into it. And, and I use the app and we're trying to get our name out there. And I love it. And, um, yeah, he's hard work, and that's what I like about Bill. And so, yeah, we're down here with Spartan Forge and just hanging out, checking out. You know, the a lot of saddles is what's here. Yeah. You know, I'm not much of a saddle hunter, not yet. Lane's <laughs> like, why don't you try one? I'm like, nope. I, I said trying I, to get him all day yesterday. I said I got nope. about a a month or so before I'm hunting. I'm not. I can't. It's like shifting in a different gear. I'm not ready. You know what I mean? I'm not ready for that. But maybe next year I'll try it out. Yeah, well, it's all what you like, man. You know what I mean? You're good with that climber, so. You got an old school climber, Lone Wolf. So, like, we'll get into, like, a little bit of introduction. So, like, Lane, like, what's your story, man? Like, around here, like, the guys that we're talking to, you know, they're like, oh, man, Lane, he's one of the next up-and-comers. Like, he's going to be, he's going to be, he's going to bug out. He's going to be the next guy that you hear about, you know. So, I mean, for you to be, you know, put on by, like, Spartan Forge or, you are like, you're down here, like, with Johnny. Like, it, that says a lot, I think. Yeah. So, like, what's your, like, hunting background? Like, what, as far as, like, starting out and all that? Yeah, so, like, I didn't grow up in a family of hunters at all. No one hunts in my family. And in middle school, I'm at my buddy Alex, and he, his family's a big hunter. So, they kind of, like, took me under their wing and started hunting. And I wasn't filming at first. And then in high school, I picked up a camera. I got, like, a DSLR, and I filmed a doe kill. And I remember going back to Alex and being like, dude, this is actually kind of fun, man. I feel like we can kind of do this. So, that's kind of how we started. It was, uh, I think, 2017, 2016 is when I, like, first actually picked up a DSLR and filmed, like, the first kill. You know what I mean? And then after that, it was just growing and just trying different stuff. And, yeah, it worked out. I did a internship for the Untamed, so that really, you know, really helped my filming, too. But, but from the hunting side, like, what – if I guess it would be like Alex, like what was like their hunting style? And like, you know, so for, for me, Michigan is like, you know, go sit on this stump that we sat on for a hundred years and throw your bait pile out there. We'll go out there with some corn and some carrots and, yeah. you know, no, sit there. Were, and, yeah. They hunted Ohio, but his dad had like, his dad was actually part of this hunt club. His dad uh got sick here recently. So he, he dropped out, but uh yeah, like, you know, they weren't baiting or anything. They were just basically being a mobile hunter and just bouncing around, you know, hunting hunt sign, like, 
that kind of stuff. And that's kind of how I got my start with it too. So, and so just because I mean, I don't know what you say, like 2017, like what's the age difference between you and you, yeah. like Johnny? And- so I'm 25, but I mean, I didn't start hunting in 2017. You know what I mean? I killed my first deer in like when I was 12, you know, like, but yeah, yeah I'm 43. Yeah. So it's like a little bit of a, I mean, different, um, like mentorship or like, you know, like different, yeah, different eras. Me. He's uh, <laughs> helped me out. <laughs> no way, man. I'm learning a lot from you, Johnny. Yeah. That's cool but being it's cool to, with you, man. Like I said um, before, like people that are passionate about hunting kind of like have the drive, like Lane and other guys. I've Jake Bush and different people here. You know, it's I could see me and them like when I was their age, not saying I'm not passionate now, but um. I think I was way more driven when you're learning at learning curve and, and trying to kill deer. Um, and then I kind of got to the point where I've, I've killed enough. And I, I do like seeing it's cool to see other people like Bo and different guys that are just like, you know, just going after it, you know, and, uh, and I feel like them are the people I want to be around. I don't want to like, cause that's who I can relate to. And it makes you a better hunter being like, oh, these guys are good. They're, they're killing deer and they're on it. And, and it helps me be a better hunter too, you know, to push myself to be around people that are like me, you know. So, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's good to hang out with uh, Lane and, and uh, guys like that. They're that are doing it, man. It's cool. I appreciate that, buddy. Yeah, man, I mean, it's cool. Like pulling that trail cam yesterday with you. I mean, I know we were in the woods for like what an hour and a half, two hours, but it's still yeah. just cool, like seeing it and like learning from you. You know what I mean, yeah. like. I don't know. It's kind of cool seeing how yeah. different people read the woods, you know, like, cause my, I didn't learn anything from my dad, you know? So it was all basically just what I picked up, you know? And yeah. It's cool. Yeah. And it's a, a lot of what I learned was like a Tulane that was just on my own being learning. I, I read it magazine articles and stuff when I was younger and it just kind of took me the wrong direction with the deer I was hunting where I was hunting. Um, cause there's different places in the country that these deer inhibit and, you know, this guy's writing this magazine article. It's how he sees the woods in his area and it didn't apply to me and it kind of threw a monkey wrench into what I was doing and it took me the wrong way, but it took me years to um, study from the deer and get away from that. And now I just kind of um, pay attention to deer and, and draw conclusions. It's not all black and white. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a long, long road to get to where I'm at, but, and there's still, and it, the more you learn, the more you don't know. So it's a lot of times I get in the woods, I'm like, well, maybe this is a good spot, I think. And because I don't know, it's not black and white. You know, that's the, that's the biggest thing. And I, when I try to talk to people or do podcasts, I don't try to give them that answer they're looking for. And I feel bad. It's like a kind of a round, roundabout way that I didn't actually hit the answer, you know, the answer to the question. Because you can't sometimes. Because, you know, there's so many situations and variables out there that it's not – you know, and like what Bill at Spartan Forge always say, like, I, I like um, listening to him because he studied the actual radio collar deer. This is what they actually did. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you read some of them, if you see some of them um, studies and there's no like, I need to hunt right here. This is where I'm going to kill a deer. No, it's like he might come through there, but he's also over here and he's also over there. So it's like, and that's what's great about hunting. There is no uh, black and white answer, you know, and it's and just like being lame. I, I didn't say this. I think this is a good spot. I would be here. I'd say this is that, but I need to get up there and check out next year. But knowing all you can about the forest or where you're hunting or the animal you're hunting is like number one. Know as much as you can before you go and hunt too. 
it might take years. It might take three or four years to learn that area. I mean, you could exhaust yourself maybe in one summer and or one spring and, and uh, maybe have some tra- to know the area, know where the deer are, know where the does are, know where the food's at, know where the bucks are, know where the hunters are. That's a big part of it because they know um, where they're at. And uh, I always look at it like um, I, I even said it like I like using analogies. It's like a like a pros- prosecution lawyer, like he knows someone killed somebody. He got to prove it. It happened. He exhaust himself finding every clue before he takes it to trial it's not it's like i feel like that's how my hunting is it's not just like and i don't hope about like in life i don't even hope that i hope i'm going to kill a deer like when i was young i'd sit in a tree like man i hope i hope it's big like in my vision in my head you might just find some rubs in this big open woods and like man, i hope he comes by and like i don't leave anything up to hopes anymore it's like know everything you can before you go out and hunt and even hunting might be a portion like getting in a tree might be you learning. Maybe you need to observe or something, but um, before like you got to get a game face on when you go in to kill. Like I said, like a lawyer, he's going to get everything, exhaust yourself, find every clue, everything, you know, everything about it. And you don't hope that they're going to convict the guy. It's like, I know we did all we could. And if you don't get the deer, Hey, we did all we could. You know what I mean? There's next year. That's a big thing is, know everything and i always repeat my word that word no 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 because that deer knows be like that deer he knows where the does are he knows where the food's at he knows where the hunters are he knows knows he knows you know and his life depends on when he's moving through the forest that he's gonna uh not get killed by a predator you know they're out there um so like do the same with your hunting. Know everything. If you're that type of hunter, I mean, there might be people that just want to go sit in the woods, get away for the weekend. That's cool. I've done that. I just want to be out, watch the leaves fall. And uh, that's cool. But if you're really wanting to get on a, a good deer, know everything you can, exhaust yourself. And it's kind of like obsessive. You know, you sometimes get to that point. That's how I've done it. And that's a good thing about what's nice about hunting. Like the last few years, I did some scout and didn't kill a lot of deer, but I would enjoy being around other people like lane and people that are like learning and passionate about it or and see them get deer or just be out there and fall you know because the older you get time goes by and and you only have so many falls and to hunt you know it's like man i only got so many ruts that i'm gonna be able to climb these mountains and that i mean um you're as old as you feel and in it and that but um yeah just being out there whether it's just enjoying the you know the fall weather or and uh or you're really passionate about it but hunting's just so you know cool man just being out there and you know everybody's life is so busy with uh work and this and that and paying bills like i feel like i'm a slave to the bills <laughs> slave to my business at home and it's like just getting out there is just like it's cool so yeah, yeah. it's enough of that so like lane when he's talking about the trying to explain things and trying to see the woods and trying to know and trying to get out there and trying to do all that stuff. Yeah. Now for you, you know, you say like you killed your first deer when you're 12 or whatever. Yeah. Like if we look at the last 10 years, you know, you're of the era, era of the social media and like where you're getting inundated with this new product, this new thing. And yeah. now you got to kill a 140. Everybody's killing a 140. This is like what the deal is. And, and that sort of climate, like when you're coming up, like how, where does a guy start to, I mean, how do you 
block that out and just go in the woods and you know. I'm in, dude, I'm just hunting for me. You know what I mean? Like I don't really care. Like yeah, I film stuff and it might seem like oh yeah, like I want to dude. I don't care at all. Like it's just cool filming it and like I just like watching it for myself. You know what I mean? Like all all the hunts I do, like I can care less. You know, like you know if you like the video or not. Like dude, I'd like go back and watch them. It just brings me back in the moment. But like yeah, I don't I don't really know. I'm mean, just like I don't really care. You know what I mean? Like I really I don't know. Because I think there's a lot of guys that that listen to this and there's a lot of guys that they get so caught up in the hype, like the hype of like new products or new things. And they want, they want it to be, they want the microwave version of like time in the woods. And so, you know, Johnny's saying you need to know everything. It might take two or three or four years to, you know, to figure out this stuff. But I feel like with social media and, you know, all the podcasts and I did a podcast saying like why podcasts are like the devil, you know, like why, you know, we're part of the problem by, because we're saying like, you know, these are all the guys that are just killing big bucks. We bring on guys that kill big bucks that target big bucks. And we forget about the journey that, that got you there, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, you know, for how do you go out and still have fun in a, situation scenario where everybody it seems like kill big bucks yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, like dude i kill a lot of deer i don't really kill a lot of giants you know what i mean like i missed like two i mean they're probably over you know 125 inch 130 inch bucks this year which i mean dude it like took out a piece of my heart you know what i mean like i think i lost like, probably <laughs> 10 years off my life on that one man like phew, i got so eat up by it but like i don't like i still get a kick out of shooting does you know what i mean like even like my maryland buck i mean it was my first one on the ground you know and i was just like so freaking pumped i mean it's just i don't know anything where you like doing that and adventure and like you're killing stuff dude just gives my heart pumping you know what I mean? that's what i'm going after basically so i think that's how i used to like we talked i said i think by the time i was your age i killed 100 deer yeah. you know like because where we lived i shot doe i loved it spikes four sixes and yeah that's where i was and i guess at some point i started and that was awesome you know just going after individual deer but um like Lane said he does does it for himself. That's what he enjoys doing. If you let all the social media and people that are doing this affect you, don't let that just like stay in your tunnel. This is what I like doing and just going for that, you know, and then. Yeah, I mean, I'm still I'm like still trying to kill big bucks. You know what I mean? I'm still trying to find them. But like, dude, if a decent buck walks by or like a yeah. doe and I have a doe tag, oh, dude, I'm cranking it. You know oh, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just. Yeah, Some but like are, you're doing it for your you're doing it your way, not because people say go. Yeah, you got to kill big deer, and, and you know it's like, man, I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna whack something, but don't be influenced by that. Just be yourself. You know what I mean? You, you start getting, then you're not yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Lane seems like he's pretty much himself. He does what he wants, and this is what he likes doing, and that's what's gonna make you succeed and be you. Besides, be someone else. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's a that's a big thing. But yeah. It's cool killing shit, you know. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go from like the, because I want to, you know, obviously I want to help people and say, okay, like, how can you be better? You know, yeah, you want to kill big bucks, but you know, you kill whatever. So like, you know, when you're looking at like a new property or when you're going out, like, mm-hmm. is there features that you're like, oh man, these are what I, what I want? Okay. You know, you're looking for you know x like i feel like everybody has something that really gets them going you're like oh man i love marshes i love swamps like i love you know fence rows or or, or whatever like for guys that are just trying to you know 
I guess find that that deer that's going to get them get their heart pumping, whether it's a doe or that four point or whatever, you know. Like when you're looking at a map and you're just like, okay, maybe they never hunted public or whatever, and they say, okay, I'm going to start. You know, everybody talks about e scouting. I'm going to get the Spartan mm-hmm. Forge. I'm going to get on there and I'm going to take a look. Like, what what gets your blood up, Johnny? When you look at a map, like you're like, well, I think there's three things that I look for that help deer survive, especially if you're like hunting a buck is like this topo, you know, for some rugged terrain. Um, I feel like it kind of keeps people away or some of these areas were kind of in Ohio. I know I see some maps where there's like the crow's foot, they call it like mm-hmm. three points and stuff like that, but some up and down rugged stuff that helps the deer survive. And then cover is, is the second big thing that I want to look for. A lot of this area is open. Um, so terrain cover and something that's inaccessible for humans, mm-hmm. whether it is that lake, swamp, swamp, marsh, or, you know, maybe it's just a mile long field and a deer can lay in the middle. You can see you coming or, you know, I think them are the three things that I kind of pick out on e-scouting. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's some rugged land here um, or maybe a combination of the, the inaccessible. It's, it's a, it's a two mile walk. Like we hear, I had to go two miles Yeah. Um, that, and then, um, yeah, the uh, inaccessible to terrain and the cover. You know, there's a lot of cover here. They're going to get away. They, they're able to. So they need to survive. Um, but even if you're just not even like going after the bigger deer, I guess that's still something. Um, if it's something accessible, I feel like everybody's yeah. going to be mm-hmm. be using that. Uh, so something that them are the three things I kind of look for that helps. You know, and if there isn't the terrain, if there's just a bunch of cover, okay, they're going to survive. Yeah. But even areas that are open, there's a lot of terrain, a lot of rugged, a lot of points, fingers, and up and down. And, um, that's going to help them survive too. And it's going to, that's kind of teamed with like inaccessible keeping hunters away. So, number three things I kind of feel that I look for on a map, e scouting, and then I just kind of go from there. But I think the biggest thing is the, too, just overall is inaccessible for hunters and uh, keeping. Or then look where, where okay, so it has these things, but where's a hunter going to park and access if he's coming in and you just yeah. start from there? Yeah. So, yeah that's, that's probably the biggest thing for me, too, is access 100%. You know, like anytime you get water in the way, I'm real big on using my kayak and, you know, just getting away from people. Or just, you know, finding those little pieces in PA that you can only access from a little bit and got to walk real far away in, you know what I mean? Like Johnny said, like real big elevation change, real habitat change, you know, big cuts, whatever. So, one of the questions that I get asked and it's, you know, maybe hard to articulate, I guess. But when you're listening to a podcast, this is very two-dimensional thing, right? So, you're just... You're you're listening and you're you're paying attention, but you're trying to work through it in your mind. What does cover look like on a map? You know, because you can see topo, you yeah. can see okay, there's no roads. You can see that there's you know elevation change. Maybe there's a that lake or swamp or whatever in the way. But you know, for for someone looking at a a, a map on you know their phone or yeah. on the computer, what does cover look like? I'd say maybe. I mean, you can kind of see the mature trees mm-hmm. and you could kind of see the younger trees just because like the tops are, you know you can kind of see the defined where if it's in a forested area where the cut you know might be and um sometimes in the you can't always judge you know you can judge the age somewhat of the cut you know maybe there are no trees and you could just kind of green or whatever and um 
with the UAV imagery that Spartan Forge has, you can that really helps. You can really see if it's like a uh, if the trees are have been cut, um, or if it's like a twenty or thirty year old. But I think uh, even like a pine, like if there's a leaf off imagery, you could see the kind of the the, the pines. And, but um, mainly cuts, or maybe in like with uh, lanes used to maybe like a gra- like swamp cattails. Yeah. I guess you could. What's that look like on a map lane? I mean. it all depends on where you're for like up north there's a couple pieces it's like up in that coal area and i meant like the marshes you gotta like it really won't pop up super well you gotta like go in and like actually change it and then it'll kind of pop up the marsh you know what i mean but uh yeah (laughs) yeah like i say like for so for people listening they're like oh yeah you know i'm looking for cover i'm looking for this i'm looking for this but then they're like well (laughs) what does it look like you know how do i how do i do that and so you know, the best way that I say is I like, you know, just looking for some edge because like if it if it if it yeah. looks more dense over here, like when you see like the different colors of terrain, you know, all kind of like coming together. And then, you know, when you zoom in and you see, OK, well, there's maybe some runways here. Like, OK, well, that looks like that looks like it's really wet in there. So that's going to be swampier. So then we're going to have thicker stuff around the edges because there's water there and like, you know, so so then from there like when you've got your good looking stuff on the map like you know johnny and i were talking yesterday about sign and sign you know down here in ohio where you know i go in and i'm i'm not finding like the big rubs that i see in in michigan and you know everybody talks about all these big deer down here and it's like you know i'm just not seeing the sign that i'm used to but those deer don't maybe make that sign down here it's just that you know different you know, different attitudes, you know, as people say, there's different deer have a different, yeah. you know, mentality or, or whatever. So like, what do you think is like the biggest thing when you're looking at sign, you know, the podcast thing is like, oh, well, I'll just go in and I hunt the hot sign and that's what it is. Yeah. But like, what's that sign that like gets your blood up where you're like, okay, now I know maybe I'm in the game or this is, and, and you'd already said, you know, I'm thinking that I'm in the game because, yeah, yeah. you know, this happened at some point and I don't know if it's going to happen again, right? I mean, down here, I've I've seen areas that just small, small rubs, but I've always had, I'd had pictures of big bucks. So don't let rubs um, influence you that there's not a big deer there. That don't mean nothing. Big bucks rub small trees. Um, but as far as scrapes, like the bigger, thicker branch, mm-hmm. you know, like the size of your finger broke off and the bigger the scrape, I feel like there's mature deer in the area. Mm-hmm. I feel like you get to, I mean, the immature two-year-olds and even yearlings will scrape, just paw the ground, but they're not like totally know what's going on. I think the mature deer set the pace and mature does, mature bucks will have them bigger scrapes, them heavier duty licking branches. It kind of, kind of tells me that there's a, there's a good deer in the area. Um, and if you're hunting early season, I think uh, if you're in bigger woods, mast, acorns, um, the sign I want to look for is like early season, like a white oak, you know, um, see where the deer are feeding the fresh shit, um, the big clumpy wet shit. Um, I know Bill talked before about uh, biologists saying that the healthy deer kind of their shit clumps together, you know, and he said usually the bucks are pretty healthy because they're mature deer. They're, they know what they need and, and they're getting their nutrition and they can kind of kick the rest of the deer out. So, I do find that I don't, it's not something I write home, like, it's like black and white again. If, if it's kind of clumpy and I feel like bigger, uh, usually, it's not always. I'm figuring it's a, it's a buck maybe feeding there. 
but um yeah early season find where the deer are feeding on them acorns and like they actually use your their nose to find those acorns it's not like visual and you can see where the leaves are all milled up and then even sometimes after a rain if you go in and you can see the leaves turned up that this deer was here recently you don't need a trail camera to see that but um i think mast is a big thing and there's years that it's there is no mass, so it makes it makes things a lot tougher. The deer densities can drop and even move, um, and then you just got to make the decision if you want to um, hang out or you want to chase and find some of that hotter sign. It's like a all in your head. What you know? Where's your best angle to get at them deer? You know, because some of these public lands don't have the um, the ag and stuff like that. It's just big hardwoods, um, and maybe you want to get near the brows, the, the cuts. You know, because that's where the food is. And then they all got to eat. So that might be something you want to focus on, see where they're browsing, nipping the tops off if there ain't no ag. But, um, I mean, yeah, no mast. But, I mean, early season, uh, it's always cool to see a lot of acorns to me. up in a, Some people say, oh, if the whole woods is acorn, you can't really funnel down where the deer are. But at least there's a lot more deer up there. You know, but I do like this year, me or me, when I was scouting uh, – Myself, the other day, I found a patch of white oaks that I feel like there's some... If you hunt enough, you learn the truth. What you seek speaks a language and knows it well. That's why every Primo's call for everything you hunt is made the right way. We sweat every detail so you get more out of every hunt. And nothing leaves our hand until we know it'll work in yours. Because we don't just make the world's best calls. We speak the language. Primos. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. On the ground already, maybe from a windstorm and that, and I, uh, there's just like a 100-yard stretch of white oaks. So I feel like if that if they do produce, which don't always produce, I feel like they're usually the first ones to fall and they're the deer like them the best. So I think like that's going to be a place I want to get to early and then access comes into play. You know, there's places you find yourself in different situations where this is a good spot. I know the deer are going to be feeding here or bedding here, but I can't access it. So I always have enough spots um, in mind um, in case one doesn't find maybe I bump a deer or or higher percentage spots, situations that I'm in, like I feel like, man, I can get in on this deer and there's white oaks right here and the wind's perfect, everything's perfect. But there's other times like there's a lot of deer in the area, maybe a lot of does and the bucks kind of hang out in the nucleus in there and let them does kind of tell them the dangers around or they got the thermals and they got the wind helping them out and they got cover and it's like, man, I can't even get this. But don't throw, like, throw that out, you know, just keep that. But I think having a, a few places in mind that you one way – Maybe there ain't no deer there for whatever the acorns ain't there. So I think what helped me over the years is just keep having spots marked on your, you know, your Spartan Forge, different places that, um, whether it's, you know, just a camera you're running or, or there is mass there or stand you could park, put on there or scrape. And then you have all these areas and then you, you know, if something ain't panning out here and this what's like this expo mobile hunter is like a big thing now, but you could keep moving and finding that fresh sign, you know. So, I mean, I could just keep going on talking. I don't even know what the question was. You know what I mean? How do I know where I'm at? But it just, yeah. it's just like, but. Um, no, there, there's like a bunch of things in there, right? Like one of the things, you know, you're talking about that 
that clumpy deer shit, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of went into like in my head, like like you, you talk about time in the woods and like you know, kind of like the experiences. And maybe I'll toss this over to Lane, but like I was scouting with a, a guy, and you know, we're trying to just find some deer for this Patreon hunt, and just walking the two tracks, cutting these uh, you know runways that go into this river bottom right follow this one and there didn't look too exciting you know but then okay we picked up some you know a little bit heavier sign like a little bit heavier runway i just walked in there and i was like i was like you kill a buck right here like you know you just just, you just feel it you know yeah and we walk like 10 steps and there's you know big clumpy wet like from this morning poop right like right there and it's just like like that i mean like how do you explain that like intuition you know and like like going against your gut you know because like maybe the sign tells you one thing but then you're like man i know i need because we've all been there like i need to be in that tree right there and then you're like oh this one looks good and then the deer walks right by the other tree and you're like god damn it like yeah you know so like for you yeah from like a younger age or like whatever just coming up like i guess like how much time in the woods does it take to like get that gut feeling like you you get that oh yeah i get that you know i'll walk in a spot and i'm at like it was like oh man like it feel it's weird it's like your gut's telling you something and your mind's telling you something else because your eyes are like oh well i feel like i can kill a deer here you know but maybe you're not seeing sign or something so you just like push a little bit deeper and then like just nothing you're like oh i gotta go back there i gotta go back there you know or like yeah like yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just really gut, but like, it's a lot of visual stuff too, you know, and you can get into an area and like, I don't know if you've ever done that, but have you ever like smelled deer? Like mm-hmm. you can kind of just smell and you're like, all right, there's deer in here. Like, I think I'm going to kill one right here. Like that's, that plays a huge factor for me too. I mean, it's like using all your senses to do it. But the thing is like, for me is like, I always, I'm like, how do other people, I mean, in, in having these conversations, like, like, but that's like the ultimate of like, what do I do? You know, like. Like, I'd imagine, like, Johnny and, and maybe you too, Lane, but, like, you guys are so confident that you've done it so many times. You're like, okay, I, like, I've felt this enough times and I've messed it up enough times that I know that I got to listen to my gut. Mm-hmm. Or, like, like that. I think that's where, as hunters, like, because the, the deer always gets a say and you never really actually know, like, where you're battling yourself or you're battling you know, your, your self-confidence, you're always like second guessing yourself. I think that's the best way is like for, for young guys that are learning or for guys that haven't been out there, haven't done it enough times. Like you don't have the, that 100% confidence to just say, this is what it's going to be. Like you're always, uh, I feel like I'm always second guessing myself. And like, how do you like temper that? I think it's something you always have in your head. When I go out, it's like, do I stay? Do I move forward? Do I go check another spot? And I think that's what it's great, great about hunting that activates my brain. And I'm always thinking, like we talked about earlier. I don't know who I talked to. Like when I go on a hunt, maybe it's out of state, 10, 12 hours. I don't even turn the radio on. Because yeah, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, I got these five cameras or eight cameras. I'm going to check this. I only have six days. Should I go here? And it's just like, and that's what I love about it. You're always learning and thinking. And it is like, a, it's pretty crazy that you get into a spot like i should i should i should stay here and and then if the wind shifts maybe i should move so there's nothing really 
there's not really a right or wrong answer because I feel like sometimes you could get down and move and it might be the right thing, but you don't know what deer is going to walk through. It's just kind of like, we're like, ah, I need to move the wind went wrong. Then here comes a deer walking through. And sometimes it's maybe your pessimism, like as a human by nature, it's like, no, this ain't good. You know, you're putting yourself down. Um, but I think it's about believing. If you believe this is not just hunting or whatever in life, I believe this is the right thing to do. If you think that way, if you keep putting yourself down, then it's never going to work out. It's like I moved and I believe this is the right thing. Even if you like went 80 yards and you see a deer walk by where you were in that tree, ah, I don't, you can't let that bring you down. I believe this is the way to go. This is the way to move. Or like people get so down when they miss a deer, I wound one. I'm like, go shoot another one. Stop it. I don't even want to hear that. You know, like have that mind frame, that attitude. I believe this is the right thing to do. I'm going to move. So what? I, oh, I moved. I bumped a deer. All right. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to make this move work. This is the right thing to do, you know, and don't, I mean, you're going to always have that in the back of your head. Second guess I should have did this, but if you live by that, it's, it's going to kind of eat you alive, you know, and then there's times like I've shot deer, missed deer, went through a whole season. It was a terrible season and it can get sometimes the best of you. Um, and, and you're just like, I don't believe I'm ever going to kill a deer. I missed four this year. I couldn't even, everything was like a bad move. You know what I mean? And sometimes you need to just maybe go shoot some does and, and get that confidence. Like sometimes it's, and that's what hunting's a, a really a mental thing, but just believe in what you're doing and you believe it and you'll see it. You know, I'd like, that's my, what I say, like, I, I believe it. So it's going to happen, you know? So yeah, you can always second guess yourself because there is no, and it's just like the deer. There's no, <clears throat> black and white like what you're hunting what you're doing it's not this is where i have to be i should have been here like no i don't want to hear it i should have i could have i can't uh, no just believe you made that move and this is the right thing and like i've done a lot of moving over the past few years because i wasn't really worried about um killing but in that you know i bumped deer i could have killed a deer if i sat here but it wasn't really the deer i was after but so i feel like my last six eight years I did a lot of more moving, a lot more walking, but I wasn't worried about killing the deer. And now I feel like that, that clump of years has put me in a place now where I know more. Like, so if I want to kill a deer, it was like a six, eight year scouting period. I look like, okay, I'm, I'm wait now. If I just sat in one spot and killed deer and was out of the woods and I wouldn't have learned and grew, grew. So even though I might've bumped deer and did this in the, in the past, it's like, look what I achieved. I believe this was the right thing to do. And, but if you believe it, then I think that's the bottom line and you'll see it happen you know you make it be the right move you know so when uh, i'm just thinking of like the devil's advocate for the guy that's listening and say well it's easy for him to be confident because you know he's done this all the time and he's got all these spots and he's you know put himself in the position now to like that's the that's the deal but at the end of the day like there had to have been a moment where you were like or maybe not. I mean, have you always been that way? Or was there a point where you're like, I got to get out of my own head. Like, I just have to believe that I'm going to do this. And then it, then it clicked for you. Um, I think for the most part, I was always like that or being around other people that are optimistic and successful in what they do helps. And that's who you're going to be. But, um, it does get into your head. Like this was wrong. And I don't know. Just got to talk yourself out of it. You know, even like, fake it till you make it type deal like maybe it was wrong but if you believe it was right at some point if you really believe that then it's going to work out you know what i mean but um and you're going to make i make mistakes 
And even when I go out in the woods with Lane or other people, I ask them. I said, what do you think? I, I took my fiance once hunting or I don't know. What do you think? Should we go sit down here? She's like, look at me like, you're the big deer hunter. I said, I don't know. Maybe there's a creek down there. Maybe the, you think the deer's thirsty. It's hot out. Maybe we should go sit down there because there is no, a deer doesn't always get up and it's not like food to bed, get on a trail between there. Like, I feel like a deer doesn't always have a destination in mind. He just, you know, has to move, get up. And it's just always moving. He's browsing. Hey, I'm thirsty. I'm going to get a drink of water. He's just like, ah. You know, I've been laying a lot all day. I'm just going to get up and move. It's not like, where is he going? You know, and like even with Bill's dad, it's not like there's not a definitive place. Like it's, I, I relate to uh, my, my analogy is like if you go on a Sunday drive, hey, let's take a ride. Where are you going? I don't know. And it's like, oh, there's John. He's going down the road. He must be going hunting. <laughs> no, it's Sunday. He's right. Where's he going? And you stop and you know, ask me, where are you going? I don't know. I'm just taking a ride. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. I have a destination. Some of these deer, like I even ask people like novice and inexperienced. What, what do you think? Like, you know, if, if you study the animal a little bit, know, you, you know, he's food, water, shelter, you know, cover, whatever it might be. And breeding comes into play. Look at it your way. And maybe I can learn something from you. That's why I like talking to people that, and, and asking them and you, I might pull something away from someone that maybe is new as a hunter, you know? So, um, that's, what's great about it. Like you said, it's always a, a learning curve, you know, and there's no really wrong answer. Hey, I believe I should move. Well, okay, well, let's move. <laughs> you know, what do you think? So that's, what's cool about hunting. Yeah. It's all just trial and error. You know what I mean? Like you said, like, like about the whole moving thing, like trusting your gut. I meant a lot of times I go in the spot and I'm like, all right, I'll go to this tree, go to this tree. And you go in and it's like, oh my god's telling me to go over here a little bit more you know or like say you see a deer like a little bit you know just i don't know just being able to move and just yeah <laughs> and sometimes patience sometimes i lose my patience but i want to know more i'm in like in my brain i want to know more but i have so many years of knowing 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 like a know like no i feel like now i can be more patient that i i did make them moves earlier in the last few years and but then i got to know like okay now i know because i don't want to leave my hunt up to like i hope his deer like i know when i was younger i would just like close my eyes when the leaves like the sun set and you're in your tree stand and just like close your eyes and just had a deer walk and kind of hear a deer's got to be please come on deer please come in you know what i mean like that's how i, I hunted i i could i've done that i mean i'm like like a lot of times fake come i just want to hear one walk and you know like i'm hoping one comes and it's like not that you won't still do that now but i want to put myself in a position where i know he's going to come through your might may not be today but he's going to come through but don't leave anything up to a hope. Like, man, I hope like, this deer comes here because <laughs> their life depends on it. If you don't got the right situation for him to walk through, if the cover ain't right, just because you see big rubs out in the middle of the woods, oh, he's rubs, he's going to come by here. A lot of it's nocturnal, even scraping, you know, if it's a lot of pressure, or older, mature deer there and, you know, the wind ain't right. You know, it's it's their life. Just think about as their life depends on it. And it's not like I'm just like, do 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 I'm going to walk through the middle of the woods. It's like and check a scrape and even though i might get shot at you know what i mean no that ain't gonna happen you know be like you like a gauntlet like running like yeah i'm just gonna walk through here and just walking down the highway like yeah (laughs) yeah get run over like so when you talk about like a deer being on a sunday drive right yeah like how does that affect your like hunting style or like where you're targeting deer at because i think you know obviously you know, Dan Infault's done a lot for the hunting community for, for putting out information on that. But then everybody is like, well, they're going to be betting here. You know, Jake Bush, he's like, you know, they're, you know, he's hunting deer 
50 yards from their bed, you know, and he's taking a lot from, from Dan, but we've got a lot of guys that are like, I don't know what a buck bed looks like, or maybe they think they do because they've watched a lot of videos, but they've never seen one in person or, or whatever. And then for you to say like, we're oversimplifying it. They don't just go from bed to food and food to bed. They're, they're just, you know, just meandering through the woods. Like, how do you like take that into consideration when you're saying, okay, like, I don't even want to say like early season, they're probably pattern and rut. They're probably breeding, but like, so middle of the season when, you know, where, where guys are like struggling or whatever, like, how do you view that time of year for like, a, a setting up to target deer, you know? Well, I know like talking bedding, I know like some of these areas that I hunt is rugged area. Um, it, and then, you know, it depends on food and, and stuff like that. But I think some of them that might roam, you know, just lay down at random, you know. And it's another thing, like, just taking into consideration. Me and Adam talked. I said, being Bill hunted last year in a, in a big chunk of public, and the leaves were so thick and crunchy, we couldn't even – it was rugged and steep, and they could hear there was no wind. You could hear miles away. So it's like a deer bed could bed anywhere up on a ridge. Now, if you take a day that's rainy and pouring – he might not lay on that ridge because maybe on that ridge he could hear and see. So what's what's the situation there, you know, whether it's rut or, you know, whatever. So if you get like a rainy day, I think maybe he, there's hunters in the area. He's going to drop down. And if it's pretty vast land, um, when you got a lot of similar terrain up and down, up and down, and open, he might just drop down out of sight, usually maybe 100 feet out of the top, you know. And if you have an area that has a lot of, a lot of food, it doesn't have to be one bedding area you know what i mean i think uh you know and then into the rut i don't worry about beds because they're usually on a hoof looking for does and like some beds uh there's not always like you will find that bed that a deer i feel like maybe more early season i don't know i've, I've seen beds that are like a deer religiously hit um but you get into like when the leaves are falling it's another thing it covers up so much sign where this deer might have laid down on this ridge and it, so it's like you know, it's just like random spots they lay down. But I feel like in my mind, it's like hot spots. Like it's kind of where I feel like he could be here, you know, in around this area, living around this ridge or this point, you know. And then at night, I feel like it's just like I could picture him. Like basically, I picture them maps with a deer dad or radio collared deer. And it's just like pings, spots here, in around the cluster here. Then jump a little bit here and here. There's not one spot in the like the, the more rugged mountainous area, you know. And then there's places that... um and PA that I hunted are really flat and um, not much topo and a lot of coverage. Just kind of lay everywhere. Um, there's, you know, so bedding is like a lot of places. I don't know exactly. I, I can it draw conclusions. A lot of it's drawing conclusions. Uh, if things are right in that, in that scenario, if the wind's right, because a buck will usually bed. Uh, but like I said, if you take the situation where it's crunchy leaves, he could lay anywhere and just close his eyes and hear you coming from 400 yards. But, um, usually down off the top a little bit and, you know, using the thermals, they really like, that's a, that's a big thing, you know, or, you know, like I said, they'll, use, they'll bet in around maybe other deer and send them out and see, see what's going on. But I, I know there's not really any one area like bedding, like, like what Jake talks about early, I'm going to try to do more early season hunting to where they're bedding there. Cause the food's right there. And you get in a situation where, um, Food's really localized, and, and he don't. And, and it's that time of year. You're getting in October, maybe acorns, or maybe it's ag. 
to where they're feeding there a lot. They're going to be bedding close. You know, and it's also like um, what Jake said is like no one's messed with them yet. You know what I mean? And they're, they're still like lazy. They're close to that food. Um, but, yeah, it's all, I don't know, it's kind of getting out there and hiking and finding where the, the food is. And then, then, you know, but the typical bed is 48 inches. They say a mature deer, you know, that just kind of tells me he's here. Um, it's not often that I see a deer bed in my situations, I guess maybe just the areas I hunt, like religiously bed, he beds, he beds right here, beds right here, because it usually has the cover or the terrain, you know, to where it's not just that one spot, you know, he has a lot going on for him in that area. Um, but you get into areas where, like, I talk about seams or little pockets where these deer can live around humans and that, I feel like where they travel, I feel like you can catch beds, you know, and it's just like little nooks, you know, I, I find. But, um, you know, they're, they're pretty mobile and they move around a lot. So, um, but yeah, like early season, I feel like you can catch them if there's a good mass, like white oaks and shit like that. I feel like you can catch, no know where he's bedding, you know, and then it's that off season scouting that you say, okay, there's white oaks. I'm going to mark this on a map or red oaks, and, you know, and you might find a faint bed from the year before. If you just, you know, you can see a good ways and, and you feel like the food, I would just go to them oaks the following year, you know, and, and see if there's deer bedding there. So there's beds there, you know, even if you bump them, you know, at least he's there. He has his escape routes. That's why he's living there. You know what I mean? And then just work on him from there, you know. But, um, yeah, earlier season, they're they're lazy animals. You know, they're just worried about it. His talk about, like, the October law. I mean, I feel like at night they'll run out and scrape, but during the day they're close to their food source, you know, and they're laying around. You're like, this is the last, you know, before the rut. There's just, like, just be lazy and eat. Just gorge myself as much as I can. And I think – Going forward here, I think a lot of the places I'm, I'm wanting to hunt is, if I do get time early year, early in the season, I want to try to make the most of it. Like during the day, like I feel like even in an area that's browse, I want to I want to try to hunt and all. Like I, I can see a buck and with the data, the deer don't just they're going to get up and feed. And it might be a hundred hundred yards or one acre. I feel like there's food early season because that's the time for them to fatten up. If you're going to hunt early season, if it's browse or acorns or, or mast or whatever i feel like he's eating all day you know it might be like that's his bedroom but if you can get on a fringe of that but if it's a uh there's like some areas in pa where i know that like at night they're gonna go up and scrape check for does but during the day i feel like there's an area i feel like the deer are hanging out it's like 300 acres down in this vast piece of land it's kind of thick but and then he don't have to go down in the middle of that he you know if he's want get, to getting up on his flat at night and check it he's just going to get down in there and um I always would think back in the day that a deer, they're going way in the middle of that. And I would think that, okay, at night they're here, but during the day, there's a say you got a big thicket or something. He's going way in the middle. They're usually on that edge. They're not going to waste their energy. They're lazy to go out in the middle and hide. And I would think that I, I would wait till snowfall, maybe a good rifle season when the pressure's on. He's in the middle of that. You get in the middle of like a big thicket or like slashing or whatever, they're not there out on the edge. Why would I go all the way to the middle? They want to be, they can always escape to the middle, but um that's one thing to be they're lazy animals they'll just or by a road they just get out of sight or road out, out, out of road and lay lay there and then maybe there's a big thicket that they can retreat to i was always always going back in the middle of that they're hiding in the middle of that big that's where they're at in the middle of it no one can get to them i don't think that's the case after so many years it's like they're on the edge and then they can retreat into that why am i going to waste my energy and it's all about energy and you ever watch a big deer like this like early season he's lazy boy like an old 
steer like an old bull, I mean, out in the field. You know, he's just lazy. He lays around all year. You know, that's what this animal does. But he gets up and feeds. I mean, for the most part, if you watch him, he's going to be laying all the time. But during the day, you know, if your season starts in October, where he's going to be, I could picture him every hour or two getting up, shitting, pissing, eating. Like, that's what he does. So um, there's a chance of getting a deer early on if you know he's going to do that, you know, um, just in around. But, but it might be a situation where uh, he might go to oak. There's like so many scenarios of situation. It might be an area where he goes to an oak flat at night, maybe just browses on twigs. It might. I've seen where they would starve during the day, but I think feel like in October he's going to be have stuff readily available like snacks, you know, on your table. Like I get a little <laughs> snack here, snack there. I need. I'm not getting the main course, but I got some chips here. He's going to you know, throughout the day he's snacking on something. So if you can get near snacks, you know, maybe you can get a shot at him. But I think I'm going to try to make the most of my October hunt where a lot of people would like crepe their crepuscular where there's morning and evening. I think a lot of people will hunt them times, but I'm like, you know what? I know from looking at that, I know these deer are going to be, these bucks are going to be feeding during the day, man. I got to find them snacks mm-hmm. and get in close to them, you know? So. So it's so funny you talk about that like thicket stuff because like I've been in all them thickets and then you get in there and like and this would have been even like back when I had my climber, you know, yeah. on my back and now I got this climber oh, yeah. and I'm in the middle of this thicket. There isn't a tree for you know a mile around me, but I'm like I'm like the deer are gonna be in there. I'm gonna find something that looks maybe tall enough. And I'm like, you get in there and you're like I can, I couldn't kill anything in here like if I you know to save my life. Do you think that we're like and I'm I'm not saying that it's that it's easy, but do you think that we're like overthinking it and making it too hard by thinking that these deer are like, like Zach from the hunting public, he tells me like, he's like, he's like, they're just deer, man. Like they're not, they're, they're not rocket scientists. Like they're just animals. And like, you, you know, we can, you can kill them, you know? Like, do you think we are overthinking it and making it like way too hard? I think you, I, sometimes you put them up on a pedestal, like you can't reach them. They're up here. They're like, you know, but. They really aren't like they like he said. They are just deer. They are intelligent. You can't, but if you you know you can figure them out. But it's if you if you make it simple, like that's why I like using an analogy. It was simple. Like this is how it is. It's like you know try to simplify it as, as much as you can. But yeah, I mean they're they're definitely killable, and and I think they're so efficient, like these mature deer, and it's sometimes so easy to them, and that's why I really rely on hunters you know the pressure like a lot of the deer on this public land is pressured so um that helps me simplify where the deer are and i know the guys are going to hit this oak flat ridge and i like you can just eliminate a lot of land and then as far as these mature deer they can you, they, they live by association to where it's like this flat had hunters on it. he might go half a mile away he's going to be really cautious about using that flat like during the day because there's hunters on there or, or whatever it may be so and I find like they're usually close by, you know, if you find some rubbing, scraping, you know, they're usually not out of, you know, they're just kind of taking a back seat, you know, they're, they're, they're there. Um, but I've, I also found a situation where like deer would kind of rub maybe more less during the rut, you know, and they leave sign there cause they aren't there. It's kind of like, they're trying to claim an area, um, rubs and scrapes and you might hunt that area cameras. He's, he's not there, but I think there's many situations you find yourself in to where he's just trying to, he can't be there. Maybe he's a couple different doe populations he's breeding and he can't be there. So he's going to leave all this scent and all this sign because, so the other deer can kind of stay out. You know what I mean? It's almost like I'm here, but I'm not. 
like let, like sometimes I'm cautious when I see a lot of that sign. He's rubbing it because I put cameras. I'm really fine. Where's this deer at? He's, he, you know what I mean? He, he's not saying he ain't going to come back to that. It might be like a one week cycle to him. He might be gone and check another dose, but he's like, it's kind of like the writing's on the wall here. Oh man, you know, so the other deer don't know exactly. They think he's there, you know, because all this signs there, but he's not. You know, but you got to find what situation you're in. And there, there's other areas where I found, like, you're talking about the thicket, like the edge up on a flat, you know, and it drops down some thick, nasty shit and all the signs on that flat. But he might be just down in maybe 100 yards away just because, you know, that it, it's safe there. But they are lazy and uh, really very efficient. And you just kind of learn how they, and that's why I always use hunting pressure to help me eliminate a lot of area because I, you know, the ones that are surviving are doing the same things and just, just staying out of the limelight, you know. You see the does along the road and this and that, and he knows they're there. You know, he's just in a background, you know. But, um, yeah, they're just, you know, and they don't, they just, yeah, they're just deer. But you can, like, we got this wild. I always say, like, man, if I'm putting all this gear on my back and all these maps and all this stuff. I said, if a deer seen what they're like, holy shit, I can't believe this. You guys are doing all this. You got maps and bows and tree stands and saddles and all this stuff. And you're scouting and putting all the mineral out and cameras. And they're like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? Like, you guys are nuts. You know, and I'm just kind of like just trying to get something to eat. You know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're uh, – and, and like the mature deer, like the laziness, not laziness, just not moving as much really helps them survive, you know, staying put, um, not really, you know, and, and that's how you see them bigger deer. They, they, they keep retaining their body weight and they don't run a lot and they're, they're, they're minimalist, you know, and they just sometimes as they get older, their, their range gets smaller. Sometimes a mature deer, I followed deer that were four years old and I catch them just like randomly everywhere and they're still young and running around but you get into the five six seven year old maybe they're just like they know they found out what works for them and they're in that seam and they're right there and sometimes it could be an easier deer to kill you know if you can if you can get them figured out and a lot of times they'll be in an area that they don't leave a lot of sign you know that's he might be where the does are the other deer kind of saying i'm here and then that I mean there are many instances i found deer um big mature i seen them and then i go and there's no sign where he's living Cause it's just his own little hiding spot. He don't, you know, and it's kind of like out away from the rest of the crowd, you know, but he'll go rub and hang out with them maybe, or just, just, but he's there, like he's in the background, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a cool thing. So. And on that, like that, you know, you keep saying like the laziness stuff and you keep saying like, uh, you know, uh, the older deer, like their stuff starts to like parse down like a, smaller and smaller and smaller to these areas and you're saying like you know you pick up these deer on camera after the rut that have you know you can see their ribs and all that stuff yeah, and then yeah. add the older ones they're not they're not doing that they're not running themselves to death yeah you know so like they're they're being more efficient and they're saying like you know if i want to survive if i want to be five years old six years old like i can't do that every year yeah so i, I think that's something that you know you know, me being from Michigan, like, you know, we're like three and a half year old deer. Like it isn't like fours, five, sixes. That's like something where you're like, oh my gosh, like somebody killed the, you know, how did that deer yeah, ever yeah, make yeah. it? You know, yeah. with all these hunters, I'm sure PA's, you know, similar if you got outside of the mountains or whatever, 
Yeah, you're right. It is. A lot of areas I grew up in, it's just a lot of hunters and the deer don't get past a year or two, one or two years old. But that goes back to if you want to find that mature, we'd look for them th- three things, to, something with a lot of cover, a lot of terrain accessible, you know what I mean? And and so that's kind of where I gravitated to because I wanted to find them them bigger deer. You know, I, I've hunted the two-year-old yearlings and they don't get to threes like I remember growing up like a three, he's three-year-old. Wow. Like 130. Like, it's a stud. What it was in that area because, um, you know, there's a lot of roads, a lot of hunters, and they just can't get through to that older, older age class, you know. But I mean, they're still fun to kill, right, Lane? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, where do you see like the biggest, like, you know, when we talk like the deer you're targeting, like these big, big deer, like, where's the year that they like? you like okay from like three to four they're usually like that's the big thing or like when you see one you're like oh my god that's got to be a five-year-old like because like, i think most guys like when you t- when people talk about like targeting an age class deer like it's so hard like you know i grew up it was like it was like 4.6.8 point oh my god that was a 10 you know there was never score yeah. there was never you know there was never like oh how old do you think he is it was like yeah he's about a 20 inch eight you know like the, like mm-hmm. that that was that yeah. was it. You yeah, know, you're like right. Your Just, spread, you know. Yeah, he was like 16, 20, you know, yeah. So, like, is there, like, you know, because when you see, you know, QDMA pictures or whatever, they're like, they track a deer and he's one, two, three, four, you know, all the way through. And then he starts to go down, you know, they're like, and it's funny to me to watch people, you know, say like, oh, yeah, he's, he, you know, he he's on his way down now and he's a four-year-old or something. It's like, uh, how do you even like quantify that? Like when you're like, when you see a deer, like some of those deer last night where they're like, oh man, we got to give him another year. And we're like, what <laughs> yeah. in the hell? The video. Like, There's like, he needs another year. <laughs> like, we're going, oh my God. Yeah. He needs killed now. Oh. I, I think as far as aging deer, I'm not, I've like, I know the one deer bow killed up Martonic up where we hunt is he was eight and a half or nine and a half. And, the only reason I knew, I knew, I both said, how old do you think he was? Because he got an age. I said, he's at least seven and a half because of the trail camp pictures I got. But you look at his body, he didn't look like, an, and it was the biggest rack he had at eight and a half years old. You know, it's, it's hard, like in some of these deer in Ohio, I, I don't know. I feel like they're smaller body. Um, yeah, I think after they get to three, three to four, you couldn't lose track. I know sometimes they got a real gray snout or gray you know, ears might be all chewed up from bugs or biting and whatever. And I feel like maybe it just looks old. But I, I mean, as far as saying, hey, he's four, or he's six, I don't know. I mean, you can kind of judge a, a yearling, you know, a two year old, you know, even by maybe the size of the rack. You know what I mean? I would say, yeah, I guess he's about two year old, but you get to three or four or five, it's, they're just like humans, you know what I mean? You got a big guy, you got a little guy. You know, the big guy's 30, the little guy's 45, you know, so how can you uh, really break it down? I think they, like, the, the teeth is what they can really, and that's only where, you know, it can, it can be even, like, a gray area for that, you know, so I don't really, you know, and I think a lot of people know the age of deer just because of the trail cam pictures every year to know, you know, how old he is, but you look at him, I mean, uh, but, you know, if you got a big rag, we're going to shoot him, I think. <laughs> So Lane, you're you're talking about that Maryland deer that you killed in the yeah secret deer, yeah. Well, well, you said you killed the one from the ground. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. So like, 
I want to hear about a little bit about that because I want to know like how did you set up on this deer, like target this deer, and like what made you be like, oh, I got to be on the ground yeah. for this. Yeah, so we boated in there, and Jason actually dropped me. He's my buddy. Like I hunt with him all the time, and uh, he dropped me a pin. He's like, dude, I go here, get in a tree. He's like, a lot of times, like real close to bedding. He's like, a lot of acorns are falling in there. He's like, usually it's pretty good. I'm like, all right. So I got in there, and it's like that real like holly stuff so like it's just like super limmy and super thick and i was like i was getting eaten alive by skeeters soon i was like oh, i'm not setting up here dude i ain't gonna be able i'm gonna see like 20 yards in front of me and that's it i was like i gotta be over here so i got down or i didn't even set up i just walked over found this little deadfall and it was like kind of a triangle of deadfall so i sat in it and as soon as i sat down like you know i did my little interview or whatever i looked over and right and here's a doe feed and it's like two o'clock in the afternoon and i was like oh sweet man so i kind of like shift over there Facing her, I think she was at like 80 yards and she just feeding, feeding, feeding. I was like, I'm going to shoot her if she comes a little closer. And like, she kind of just feeds and meanders. And all of a sudden, I look over to my right. And here's three more does pile out and I think like two fawns. And I was like, I had to be like a little over there if I was going to shoot them. You know what I mean? I had to be get like 20 more yards over there. So, got down, or I, you know, basically just hunched over, crawled over there behind this deadfall and the. Uh, Peaked up, and I mean, I was gonna shoot him, and then also I saw a rat coming, and I was like, "Oh, dude, there's a buck! I'm gonna shoot the buck instead." And uh, he was coming; they were coming to the right of me, like swinging, and that buck was coming, basically working that edge where I first saw that doe. So, kind of hunched up again, got down this, behind this deadfall, and crawled over like I don't know, probably 15 yards, 10 yards, and I mean, he walked around my opening, yeah, I shot him, but yeah, I thought I thought he was like perfectly broadside. He wasn't. He was a quarter two a little bit, and I hit him, like, a little far back. So, I didn't have any blood or nothing. I had, like, guts on my arrow. So, I backed out, and I brought in a dog tracker the next day and recovered him. But, yeah. How, how far did he go? 100 yards. Yeah. He didn't go far at all. But there was just no blood at all. Like, just nothing, man. Like, I, I got to the arrow, and I mean, it's, like, yellow on it. And I walked to basically where I saw him go in this thick stuff at. And there was no. I didn't get any blood, nothing. And I was like, all right. I'm just going to back out, man. There's no sense pushing it, like, right now. You know I mean? I had all day tomorrow, so just took my time to do that. But. So, like, John and I have been talking about this all weekend, like, the, the like, uh, going back and, like, replaying it in your head and, like, thinking about it. Like, so why were those deer there? Like, what was going on? Like, what time of year was it? Oh, it was, and, uh, like, or it was, like, September. I think it was, like, September... 18 something like that and yeah that meant all it was was just white oaks dropping in there and they were just bedding all along it was really thick nasty and yeah that was just really close to their bedroom and it was just a point on a map like next to bedding yeah and it was, was basically white. like he sent me it and there was like a little pond so it kind of it kind of like kind of choked him down a little bit it's like you know what i mean it's a floating piece of really hard to access and like it's good. that's a lot of water you know so <laughs> kind of choked him down a little bit but uh yep I just didn't. I just didn't like. It. I didn't have a good gut feeling. I moved over there a little bit and set up well. And I was like, all right. There was a nice little edge out there too, you know. And I was like, all right. I think a deer is going to come down through here. Sure enough, looked over. It was like five minutes. I looked over. Like, oh my god, there's a doe. I was like, yes, there's, I'm going to see deer tonight. You know what I mean? And then just started filing out. So it's kind of like what you were saying. Like if you believe it, he's like, oh, I'm going to see a deer. You know? Then yeah. Th- I mean, there's very few times that I've been in a tree that my instincts or intuitions like yeah i know i'm gonna kill a deer. like i know i know and i like hyperventilate because i know it was gonna happen like i remember one time in illinois and i knew and that time went so fast in a tree i said i know i'm killing a deer here it was like this is it i don't know i don't know you're just 
your intuition, instincts, everything, your experience comes together, just or just your feeling and your gut. You know, I was like, yeah. but there are a few times in my hunting career that I was like, the only shooting stick with one-handed trigger pull adjustments has a new way to keep you at the top of your game. The Trigger Stick Apex, built for sturdy support that adapts to unforgiving terrain with easy adjustments to make your big shots. With our Durasteady three-piece carbon leg design and interchangeable rock-solid clamp, nothing tops the Apex. The Trigger Stick Apex, only from Primo's. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm killing, I'm, I'm just going to matter, and you just kind of sit on the edge of your seat and wait, and then you kill a deer, you know? So, I don't know. Well, and that's the hard part for me to, like, be in a situation like this with guys that, you know, I got cameras out now, too, and stuff. But, like, I feel like to build confidence is, like, you have to go out there and do it. And I like to do it, like, in a new spot or whatever where you go up there. And it when you see that first deer and you've never been in there before, like, you don't have any trail cam pictures or whatever. And it's just validation. Like, them deer, they do what you thought they were going to do or they're, like, really close. And you're, like... You're like, okay, all right. Like the pre like I feel like that's like the monkeys off your back, you know, like you didn't do all this work and everything to just not see anything. You know? And I think like a lot of guys who haven't spent enough time in the woods or they don't they lag that confidence. Yeah. You know, that's what they're afraid of is that all everything that they're gonna do is gonna be for nothing. And I think like that's kind of like the way I I've said it before, but like you know, with our property in the UP, like, I don't know anything about like habitat work or anything like that, but we're trying to do some stuff for the kids. And, but it's like, I would, I would rather fail on, on public land than drive seven hours, put in a bunch of work on the tractor and all this stuff and then still fail. You mm -hmm. know, I would yeah. rather, yeah. Like, I'd rather, you know, it's, it's just like, I want to, I want to be learning and pushing and, and, and like, basically like validating like what I'm doing. And I think that that's the hardest part of like building that confidence is like, you know, you, all that second guessing and everything like that. But, you know, I think when you get these trail cameras and you get all these big deer on there, like, like, you know, you're showing me some pictures of some crazy deer. Like if I went into a spot and like Pope and young deer walks by me and I never been in there, I don't have trail cameras. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm gonna kill this deer. Yeah. But if I had a, 160 on camera or something like in the dark like a, you know not not like nothing that tells me he's killable just that he's there you know and be like well i can't kill this one yeah. you know that's walking by me like easy because well that one is on the camera you yeah, know and yeah. i think a lot of people get so wrapped up in that oh, yeah. like that trail camera stuff it's like take what you're given you know and enjoy yeah, right, it you know yeah. <laughs> like, no. or if or just look at it optimistically like Okay, so I'll wait for that deer, and I might wait all year, but I get to hunt. That's how I used to look at it. Hey, I didn't kill a deer. I'm, it's January. I'm still in the woods. It's like, I'm hunting, dude. That's awesome. And then a buddy of mine that, that I learned some tracking from, an older fella, he's, in the last few years, I told him, I said, Tom, I just I don't really care about killing deer. He said, John, hunting's way better than killing. You know, there's phases you go through, but as you get older, you're just like, 
you'll see. Like Lane's looking at me. Like, yeah, right. I want to kill deer. <laughs> but but when you accomplish it or you know maybe yeah. fulfill that, you just just like being out there. You get older. Just like I don't really need to kill a deer. I just like being out here. You know, and it's like I'm sure there's people that are just like to get away. Even whether they're younger or older, you don't have to maybe just want to get out there. But I think like with new spots and uh, people that are new to hunting, I mean, I think someone asked me, what would you do if you had four days on a new piece of public land to, to hunt or something? I said, I just maybe drive around and hike, waste a whole day, um, find some fresh sign and then hunt. Maybe I'd rather hike and scout two days and then hunt two or even three days if I had to. It's all about getting that angle, getting the odds in your favor. You know, if you sit in a spot with low odds and you hope the deer comes through, well, yeah, you got a low low chance of seeing them. But, but um, get some get something in your favor. You know, just scout and hike and try this spot. I don't. It, it don't matter. So you, you want to see what's over the next ridge. Sometimes if you bump one deer one time, it ain't too bad. You know, you can get in there and for fresh sign or fresh fresh. But keep uh, keep moving and uh get a percentage like a higher percentage and i talk about situations where mature deer like there's one living here and this and that it's a low percentage area just because maybe the 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 food's everywhere or there's a lot of cover or what it may be or you get an area where there's a concentrated food source i know he's going to come here but um it's all odds having a a good amount of odds in your favor instead of just hoping you know but yeah if you're new like you're just trying a new piece of public out move around like in the fall like i said when the leaves deer where they feed and it's fr- fresh sign is always the best you know the most recent like sign you can find you know and it, and i think a lot of guys get out and hunt early or, or whatever and then say you only got the rut to hunt you know and you're going to a new piece of land and you can see where guys already been parking see where they're walking and then just go away from that you know find and then chances are i've, I've seen it there's times i've did it when I was jumping from state to state and I get to a new state and whether I have a camera or not, I, there's times I just, I don't care if it's five o'clock where people say, or four or five, I want to get in a tree and hunt if you got a spot in mind. But there's times I just, at one time I damn near ran through the woods. It's covered as much ground as I can in like an hour and a half. And I've seen so, like I'm running through the woods, seeing where the guy's tree stand is, see where foot is right after a rain. Like I learned so much in that hour and a half I bump a doe here. I was like, okay, well, she's hanging out there with acorns or, you know, there's no hunters there, you know, and I know guys been pounded. It was a heavy hunted piece of public land. I just can't pretty much, I'd say run through the woods, put like two, three miles on and a few thousand acres, like just, and I just, my brain would soak up what I was seeing, you know, like speed scouting. Like, okay, if I was hunt here and I can narrow it down, this is where I want to be because the deer are there now, you know, guys been hunting here. It can really like save a lot of time i know when i was younger and we would go out of state and me and my buddies were like we were afraid don't go in there and you were like sneaking don't go in too far you're gonna ruin you're gonna mess it up and then you hunt for four or five days and you're like this sucks and you go a little further i should have been over here you know but um that fresh sign and that's if you want to be successful and you want to get them get them odds in your favor find out as much as you can as short a time as you can or whatever time you have you know i'm that'll prevent you from hoping for that deer to come through, which I don't, yeah. I'm sure, like I said, it's, but each our own, if you want to hang out and just be out in the woods, watch the leaves fall and take a nap and look at your phone and hope a deer comes through. That's cool too. I'm sure there's times I've done it. Just like, 
I just want to get in a tree. Like on my buddies, I just want to get in a tree. And it doesn't even like literally that's all you want to do. Sometimes it's just getting a tree. I don't care if, if it is in a good spot or just a decent spot. I just want to get in a tree. I know me and my buddies say that a lot. You work hard. Doing, I just want to get in a tree. I just got to get in a tree. And it's sometimes just to clear your mind and just to sit in a tree. You know, I don't care if I see anything or you see a couple doe. You know what I mean? So. Well, I used to think like, like a hat, like, okay, so, you know, everybody's got responsibilities and work and all this stuff. So like you get a day that you can hunt, you know, and the wind's wrong or like something, but I would always be like, well, I got to hunt today. Yeah. And as I've progressed, you know, I'm like, well, I might go hunt, but I'm not going to hunt like that one spot that I was going to, like, I'll just go walk through the woods and then see what I can find. And if I don't find anything that looks good, why I saw a hundred percent more than I would have sitting in that one spot, mm -hmm. you know, and then messing up all the deer. And then if I do find something good, maybe I put it in the, in the bank for the next time where like, okay, now I see that spot. But I mean, in years past, like I would have never like went and just kind of basically what you said, just run through a property, blowing it up and then didn't find what I wanted get in the truck, drive a half hour to another place, mm -hmm. like right at, you know, and then, just I was just still hunting in and, and watching the deer feed out, and I'm like, you know, I didn't get opportunity, but I got way more opportunity and way more information than I did just saying like, well, I got to be in that tree, yeah, you know, yeah. And I think, you know, that's why it's so great to talk to guys like you that have a I don't want to say like a different mindset, but like it's you are always like project like being positive. You're like you're like you know what you say like all the time like how bad do you want it you know yeah and it's like you better have a freak genie and a lamp in your pocket if you're gonna sit there and like every single day and that's gonna be like what you do yeah or you're gonna go out there and you're gonna make it happen yeah. you know yeah and i i think that that's where a lot of guys they get hung up they get discouraged because they are well, I hunt every day. Well, where do you hunt? Like, well, I hunt the same place. You know, I'm, there's got to be deer there. Like, <laughs> yeah, people get hung up on it. I'm like, and I talk about hunting as being the worst thing you could do. Like, if you're scouting and you're walking, or like I run through the woods, it's whatever it might be. Take your dog, make some noise. At least a deer can hear you come and see you. There's like a lot of their senses are being used to comfort them to know you're not a big threat. But when you get in a tree and you sit up in a tree and you don't move, you don't make no sound and they can't see you or but you might leave off some scent. And it's like a deer will smell you 100 yards away, but he can't maybe you can see that far. And that really, I think, puts them on edge. And they're really so I think hunting is the worst thing you do as far as uh, pressuring the deer and making them change and adapt. And because you're acting like that predator, like like a wolf or a coyote or something just hiding and that's not you know you've seen deer on camera living with coyotes and moving i feel like it's kind of at no threat but when they start hunting them you know it's just like you it's like that's when a deer is going to turn shift a gear and be like whoa so i think hunting it like the guys to go to and, and like that's why i have a lot of spots go to different spots remove 100 yards i've seen bucks peg someone in a tree or know that's a bad spot and i've seen them just go around the tree like he might be 80 yards but still live his life and do that just i've had it happen myself i had to get down and I'm like oh i think he seen me put this tree stand. i told lane a story one year i was in iowa i put a stand i think the deer saw me 
And uh, actually, the next day I got in that tree and I'm sitting there and like like upwind, um, I smelled a deer and I think it was that buck. I think he was kind of wanting to travel through the same area, but just kind of went around me because I think he seen me put his stand up, but there was does, it was rut coming in. He was still living there. So I was like, I'm not going to sit here. I got to get down and move. And I seen him that evening, you know, and that's what he, so um, that hunting is like the worst, like have a lot of spots and be mobile and in a lot of situation. But then it is that like, you know, balancing act where, you know, did I mess up? Did the wind change? Is that buck over there? So a lot of times I won't, if the wind thermals change and something happens, I'm like, ah, you know, I feel like my odds drop, not saying I won't see a deer, but if it's already a low odds situation and then your odds drop more, it's like, hell, I'm getting out of here, you know, because I feel like I applied some pressure to them and I let them know that I was here. So I'm, I'm, I'm moving. I ain't taking another chance, but if it's maybe a high odds situation, we're going to see a lot of deer and maybe the wind shift, but I still got a good, so it's like a balancing act in your head. What do you feel like, you know, and there's been many times that I see the wind shift and I know the deer's coming that way and you stick it out and it's like, I never see a deer. So that wind shifts and it's like, I'm out of here unless it's a area that, um, you know, you got a lot more odds, you know, and that's what it comes down to. What's your chances here? You know, you got to, you know, you don't have so much time to hunt. Do I got a good chance to see? I stick it out. So it's just, and like I said, if you, you make the move, believe it is a good thing to do and, and live with it. You know, you can't take it back. Don't cry over spilled milk. They go, like, oh, just keep going. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't have seen anything anyway. So like, yeah. whatever, like you're right. You didn't mess it up. But like, when you talk about that, like hunting being like the worst thing, like if you put that back into like the survivability or like the human type thing, like if you're walking down the street at night and there's another guy walking along the passes you or something you're like okay there's another guy you know whatever but if you walk by and there's a guy just sitting in the shadows yeah you're like yeah i don't want to be here yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean it's like the i mean it's the same situation and i usually use an analogy like it was like if i knocked on your door and i said hey there's a serial killer in california like oh all right but i said hey if like i knock on your door he has a serial killer in town you'd be like oh shit so it's like it's right here and it's immediate (laughs) danger like it's the guy walking his dog and has like the guy serial killer in california like you don't it's no danger to you that's cool but but it's like hey he's here you're like whoa you know you're gonna carry your gun you're gonna lock your doors you can tell your family you're gonna be on total watch because it's just an immediate danger right here happening and you're gonna adjust your lifestyle like that's what they do they're like someone's you know they can't see you and it's so if i see a tree like and last year, I hunted a situation in January. I found a stand in a sack. I didn't know it was there. I found an, a, a, a mass of acorns, and they were still on the ground in January. And I went in and bumped, found the acorns, bumped some deer, and I actually bumped a buck. And I'm like, oh, man. Um, but I'm sure no one hunted there, probably the last guy. So I ended up hunting there, and I seen a stand. I'm like, ah, oh, like 40 yards from me. I'm like, damn someone's hunted here and then i alerted them does like i feel like they've been feeding or them deer been feeding there maybe through december into january with nobody pressuring them and really kind of let their guard down but once i entered the woods it went back into like oh no and i felt like the thermals were dropping down a hill and i thought which was a good thing i didn't think deer were down there but twice they smelled me i'm like what are deer doing like i I thought for sure where they were bedding but they had they they went back into hunt like survival mode where I'm like 
they knew that stand was there. They probably knew that guy hunted there maybe during November or October and this and that. And then they kind of let it go, but they didn't ever lost that, that knowledge of that stand being there. And, you know, two nights in a row, they were down below me snoring. I'm like, and it was, I said, you know what? It's that stand. I come in here and I bumped them. They knew where I'd come from or they knew where the parking spot is. And if maybe if I didn't bump them, you know, if I snuck in there, chances are they would have just came through. But I already, like, you can ruin your hunt like like that, you know, if you don't really look at everything that's going on. So I was already done before I started. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then my parking spot, I think there was a little bit of thick stuff near there. And I think there's only one place to park. I think the deer started hanging out near the parking spot. You know, and it's like I'm shutting my door, cut my car off. I might as well just get in and leave because they already know and they know where that stand's at. Not that it was my stand, but um, so, yeah, they're just like, whoa, just be really aware of what's going on out there and ask yourself. Like, I ask myself a ton of questions and, and you know, try to figure out answers. And that's what it's, I like about it. My brain's always trying to figure out, you know, it's like a great puzzle trying to find these deer. But, like, a situation like that, it's like. Though they're already on to me, you know what I mean? And I didn't even have a chance, like, so, um, so yeah, Justin, then it's like you said, it was late season. I'd have many places to hunt, so I just kind of moved around a little bit, but, uh, that's what late say, season can be tough, you know, but, uh, yeah. So, like you mentioned before, like when you're looking at properties and you're looking at access and stuff like that, and you're saying, okay, I'm going to use the human pressure to, um, you know, direct me into where i need to be where i think the deer are going to be safe how do you deal with like that in-season pressure where you get to a spot where you're like okay this is going to be a good spot and then all of a sudden a guy walks in on you or like now there's a you know where you can see guys have been in there like since you've been in there like are you just on to the next one or yeah just still stop i just if there's a, like a like a place you can a seam or like you just run a like a, I call him like a nook or a seam that where he he can feel safe. I try to find that and know that that hunter's there. And I kind of like once I see a hunter, like to me it's like eighty percent chance that the deer, like how by hunt I just talked about, like I ruined it like that. It's done. It's, oh, it's over. It's already ruined. Oh, I only hunted it one time. I was like I know years ago my buddy said, oh, ain't nobody hunting there. And I don't I don't really see no deer. I said you're hunting there. Oh, I'm not no magician. I just pop myself down and I don't have no scent in that. You know, you got to get in, you got to get scent free. You got to do this and that, but either. Yeah. Find, I already know in the back of my head where if I know the area well enough, then I can find that scene where he's going to sneak through and, or like that place he's going to hang out until dark and then move or just eliminate it and try to find a better, you know, the odds are low or maybe, go to another another area you know that's why i have a lot of um areas in the years of scouting and being in the woods i got so many areas and it's why i don't mind helping people and if i'm hunting with someone go try this area and you're like and then sometimes when you get a bunch of areas a bunch of good deer you know about like if someone and then people have said to me your buddy got dead shot dead deer you put them on or help whatever I'm like good yeah it's just one less I got to worry about. I got enough of like, areas that I got to judge. Okay, good. He got one there. Okay, so I don't have to hunt there. I kind of, even when I see other hunters, I, I narrow down, find, help me find my spot. But okay, that guy there, that guy's well. And there's times I just went down the road in the morning at daylight, see where the guys were. And if you know, I always say that word, no, K-N-O-W. Like, I know where everybody's at. I know where the deer like to be. And I'm just going to go here. Because I feel like if I was a deer and I wanted to get away and there's food and this and that, I'm going to hang out. And 
sometimes it's a matter of that, but it just comes down to knowing everything you can about the area and just, you know, letting that speak for itself and help you find your spot. You know, that that's that's enough to help you not to not even look at sign. Just know where everybody's at, know where the food's at, know where the bedding's at, know where the does, know where the, you know, maybe creeks, water, this and that. Well, I'm going to go check his spot. I feel like guys are here and, and hitting his cuts and they may be down in his bottom and boom, here they are, you know, and it's a fresh spot um, being mobile and you haven't been in there and you might ruin it and we'll go to another spot. So I think just, and that's what I love and just spending time out there, like even the last few years, I didn't shoot my bow a lot. I don't just like I'm not worried about gear. I just I just love being in the woods and learning more and more. And you know, I think that's what helped me being having all that time to help me if I want to kill a deer. It's like okay, I know where to go. It's an interesting take on it, and we'll wrap this up here in just a minute. But like the you know not killing a deer, you know, like you you pointed at Lane, and you're like, oh man, he just wants to kill stuff, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But hey, like, like you're crazy. Well, like that that motivation, like like I, I guess like in that sense, like on like a very very bigger picture, you know, because you have if, if one sixty or whatever comes in front of you, you're going to shoot it, and you know maybe that's the ultimate goal. But like, what keeps you motivated when you're not like like killing or like when it when it gets frustrating because i think that that's where you know as the season wanes on you know it's funny earlier today or yesterday or like whatever you're like you know last year you had you know whatever of a season didn't kill nothing get to the end of the season and it was kind of like you could relax because you're like it's finally over like I've yeah. been, and you knew that you gave it your all and i, I kind of felt like the same way you know, I hunted right up, you know, freezing, wind blowing, all that stuff last day. And, like, what keeps you going? Because I think a lot of people are like, you know, well, as soon as it gets late season, it's like, well, you know, it's cold. It's it's only light out for, you know, seems like four hours. So, it's like, I'm going to waste a whole day to go hunt and all that stuff. Like, how do, what what keeps you motivated if it isn't the, the killing portion? I think it's uh, me learning. Like, I feel like. And I enjoy learning. Like, it's a thing, like, I have an excavation business, and I feel like, you know, that's what I do to make money. And that learning curve is gone. I, I've done so much. I've done it for 20, 30 years. And there's your brain always has to keep growing. You know, it's a muscle. Like, you got to work it. Like, if you don't use it, you lose it. I feel like whether what, what it is. But me being out there and just learning, it's a learning curve that I enjoy, you know, um, and just it happens to be in the deer world or whatever and with their snow is it always changes from october november december they're transitioning maybe it's food or hunting pressure or does and you know daily basis or weekly basis of deer be here then there then there and just keep learning it's just i enjoy that learning curve and a lot of times that's what it is of me wanting to know more um it's like a wormhole but it's it's i think it's healthy for my brain and you know, getting exercise and being outside and, and, uh, you know, like I have an excavation business and then I ride in a truck a lot or ride the machine and just, I'm not learning. And it's like, my brain just kind of is like plateaus and there's no, so I think it's just the learning and wanting, that's all it is for me is just learning more and more and, and growing your brain and, and, and enjoying that and being outside. I love being outside and getting away from people. So it's not so much, like a, 
that's what kind of keeps me going. So it's not like not all the time I have a goal to, I want to get this buck. I mean, there's times where there might be a certain deer that you're after to that be a motivation for you to keep going. And then you're in the high gear learning that animal, you know, but still is derived from learning and, and growing. But, um, yeah, it's just me wanting to learn more and be out there. So that's what I enjoy doing, you know, and like, I don't shoot my bow as much as I should. I'm going to start doing that. And it's like all these stay like if I have a fraction of time, I run to the woods because that's where I want to learn. That's what I like to do. You know, it's like not learn about saddles and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> or like, you know, like gear or, you know, and that's why like I'm on board with Spartan Forge. It's like, that's helped me learn. That's a, another tool. Like I know there's times, like even I talked to Lee Alice, he said, I looked at how long I look at my, my, uh, my Spartan Forge and it, it's like hours. I said, I know you just, and I would study maps and study maps until I almost have it ingrained in my head. So like when I'm out there, I, I, there's a lot of times, even in the dark, I feel like I could just walk to maybe my next camera. I don't even need the, the, the map because you just studied it so much. It's almost like, you're you're you are that deer and you're studying and, and you know like i can get to the next camera pretty much without the app or a map you know but um it's just the the, the learning curve i enjoy that keeps me moving you know that's but teach our own you know so if if people have questions for you or or anything like because you're I'm super helpful like and i really appreciate you yeah. you know coming on here and you know, the conversations that we've had, but like you're, I mean, I, I love like where your like heart is and all this stuff. Cause you're like, I just want to be in the woods. I want to go out there. I like helping people, you know, and I'd, ra- I'd rather you kill them than me. Cause then I don't got to worry about yeah. it. That's, that's, that's something that you just don't, don't hear from guys that ha- are on big bucks all the time. They, yeah. It's very, I feel like unfortunately hunting can be like a very selfish sport and uh and i feel like where i am i know already know way more than you like not you in general but the person that i'm like yeah go ahead because i already know like i don't know i maybe accomplished that i i know everything that's going on there like i'm on the in the last few years i found myself in it like even i think the last three or four years the deer i shot were all in new spots i'm like why am i doing this like i already know spots that are good but I, I'm chasing that learning curve and learning a new area. So uh, maybe this year I might come back to them spots I already know and just hunt them. But I think uh, just I already, already accomplished that. I already learned it. I know that area. I want to go start that learning curve again, go try this area, try that area. So you're like in my dust. Not that you are, but I already learned that situation or that hunting area and know it's good and there's a chance. You, you, you learn that area. I'll go try another area, you know. All right. Well, I mean, like I say, I really appreciate having you on here and just the conversation all weekend. You know, if people have questions for you or they want to know, like, you know, they hear me talk about Spartan Forge or something, they want to say, yeah. like, hey, is this really legit? Like, can you can you tell me, like, what? Like, so for you guys, where can people reach out to you? And yeah, so Johnny, you want to go first or? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just on Instagram. Not much social media. You know, the Johnny Stewart. And you know, if you want to message me and talk deer hunting. It, I talk to a lot of people trying to help them out not always the best you know help because uh, there's just so many variables sometimes but maybe give you some encouragement I don't know but yeah shoot me a message if you want or whatever follow me and then uh, we're on Instagram just in the presence hunt and also on YouTube too type in the presence hunting see all our hunts so. well awesome guys thank you so much for the time yeah thanks for having us yeah thanks for having us bud.
I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. Watch Waypoint TV's Great Outdoors Month celebration presented by Battery Tender every Tuesday in June from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Join us for land management tips, family hunts, and conservation-centric films as we show our appreciation for the great outdoors.